the way that the author writes the moment and I get butterflies and my heart skips a beat, like moments like those, I just, I live for. So anyone who, who feels that way, I think would really enjoy this. And anyone who likes to laugh at embarrassing moments, whether it be zits, whether it be bad kisses, or maybe even yelling the word penis. You are listening to the Wise Woman Podcast, Season 4, Episode 152. I'm your host, Alicia Wilfert, founder of Yoke and Abundance, coach to entrepreneurs, creatives, and seekers. This podcast introduces you to women on their journey to flourishing businesses and lives. In today's episode, I'm sharing my conversation with first-time author Rebecca Garner. Welcome back. Today I am talking with Rebecca Garner. Rebecca is an author, mother, wife, and self-proclaimed weirdo. She wrote, Why Won't My Boobs Grow? and other annoyances for all the teenage girls out there who are like she was. Awkward, scared, emotional, and yet also thrilled by the possibility of the future and what it holds. Rebecca loves laughing at stories of her teenage self and hugging the people she loves too tightly. I can't wait to share my conversation with Rebecca after a word from our sponsor. Fikin Co. is a progressive boutique consulting firm that works with entrepreneurs, startups, small to medium-sized companies and larger organizations to cultivate a place where people love coming to work. With a focus foremost on diversity, inclusion, belonging, and equality, Fikenco pushes business leaders to push the boundaries of what a great workplace environment means and is for all of their employees. If you are starting from scratch with a small team, or if you are looking to grow your current team, Viking Co. can help to scale your business in a way that both adds to the bottom line while also boosting engagement. From talent acquisition, onboarding, and compensation, to HR compliance, performance management, and employee relations, Viking Co. has worked with more than 50 companies across the country and worldwide in various stages of growth. If you are looking for strategic guidance on people programs or interim people leadership, contact Fikenko. Your people will thank you. Rebecca Gardner, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It is a pleasure to have you. Oh my gosh, I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. So you and I are both in the book creator program. How did you find it? How did you make your way into this crazy, wonderful program? It's it's a very serendipitous story, actually. I started writing the book that I have been working on through the Book Creators Program um, four years ago when I decided to leave my career as a middle school teacher. It was kind of like an escape from, from the, the burnout that I was feeling. And I wrote most of it in the like summer break, the three months between when I finished my teaching job and started my new job. And then 
I finished it right before my daughter was born. So, I mean, like I wrote the whole thing within a year and then I never opened it. I just, no one read it. I had this big, long word document with a completed, completed book that I just didn't touch for three years. And then quarantine happened. And I was like, I need, I need something else in my life, you know, to just bring out like the me, because it's so easy to get caught up in the day-to-day and your job. And I'm a mom and like all of those things. So I opened it back up and I started rereading it. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I missed this. And and this is where the serendipity comes in. So we had at, at my job, they were doing a networking event for like a women's organization during Women's History Month. And I went to the event and in one of the breakout rooms, people were talking about, you know, like, what's your passion project? What are you working on outside of, you know, your day job that someone else could help you with? And I mentioned my book and a woman reached out to me and said, listen, I just finished the book creators program through Georgetown and published my book. It's available on Amazon. It sounds like it might be right up your alley. Mm. And it was. And so I looked it up and I connected with Professor Custer and here we are. Wow. That is serendipitous. Yeah. What do you feel like your biggest like misconceptions were about writing and publishing a book before you started? I guess there's, it's kind of twofold because in the first portion of my book writing, I was just like, alone. And I was just sitting here and I was just writing it in order of what was going to happen. And in one big document, and I was like, all right, this is it. This is, this is how it goes. And, you know, cool. But then when I joined the book creators program, I realized that like the community aspect of it is just so important. Like the connections that I've made with other authors like yourself and other people on the fiction side that just like, when you first are thinking about writing a book, you're not like, oh, I don't, I don't need a community of people to support me besides like, you know, my family. No, you do. And it makes such a difference in just like having these people behind you and cheering you on and understanding like what you're going through and being able to talk through some of those things with them that, you know, I can't talk to my husband about character development. He's like, he cares, but like, you know, much, much less than (laughs) my (laughs) colleagues. Like, don't you know what arc this character is going through? (laughs) Can you help me figure out a little bit more depth here? (laughs) It's interesting. I think I pick, I keep sharing this with folks. Like I had this idea in my head of what an, what a writer looked like. Mm-hmm. I just really imagined that I would be like the, the next Liz Gilbert and I would have this perfect office and I would go into that office and my cell phone wouldn't even be in the room. And I'd sit down at my computer and I would type away and it would be harmonious and it would be Lovely. It would be this beautiful healing experience. And that goes out the window so quickly. But I'm, but like for me, I was still clinging to that idea of what I thought it should look like. Mm 
Yeah. Yet if I had actually ever done that, it wouldn't have happened. Like nothing would have been birth. Right. Right. Yeah. Did you have a picture in your head of what you thought it was supposed to look like? Well, yes. I mean, I think I agree. It was, you know, sitting at my desk here and typing away furiously and just typing and typing and typing and typing and like the words spilling out and it coming so easily. And I mean, anyone who's written anything knows that's not true. (laughs) No, I I was also really unprepared for the sitting in front of the computer and being frozen. Like, oh, I don't know what to write next. Maybe I need to go research this. And yeah. the amount of researching to spark, mm-hmm. I wasn't prepared for that at all. Yeah. You know what I read? Um, I guess I didn't read. I was on Instagram and I was watching V.E. Schwab's Instagram stories one day. She wrote like The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, Darker Shades of Magic. And she was talking about how writing doesn't always look like typing at your computer or writing in your notebook. Sometimes it's daydreaming. Sometimes it's researching. Sometimes it's just sitting there and thinking about it. And I thought that was just so powerful, like so important for me to hear in that moment that it's okay. You know, those words are not going to come spilling out of me all the time. Sometimes they will, but other times I'm just going to be staring at the screen. And that means it's time to like get up and like you said, do some research or have a dance party or just like do something to, to get the juices, the juices flowing. Yeah. Okay. Along those lines, I think I'm, I also had this picture in my head that maybe the writing would be better if I went away for a month and only and only wrote every day. That was my job, like in a cabin in the woods somewhere. (laughs) But that also, my life, my job, my interactions with friends, being able to talk about it with other people informed so much of this, the book and the stories that went into the book that there's no, that there's no way I could have written it that way. Yeah. And I, I've had the same vision before too. Like, I'm just, I'm going to go somewhere by myself and it's going to be just luxurious. And I'm going to sit in a fluffy white robe and I'm going to write. And wouldn't that be incredible? But I totally agree. Like the conversations you have with people, someone might say something to you and unintentionally just spark an idea or make you think of something that you've been searching for, for weeks. And I guess it, it all comes back to like that community aspect of it and how important that is. Yeah. Okay. Now we have to dive into your book. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting here with like bated breath because I mean, even the title of this book, Why Won't My Boobs Grow? And what's the subtitle? Please tell, give us the whole thing. Why Won't My Boobs Grow and Other Annoyances. Mm. <laughs> Who is this meant for? Who's your audience? I mean, the uh, straight out the gate audience is teenage girls. You know, my main character is 14. So, you know, I would say teenage girls anywhere between 11 and 15 or 16. But I also think it's for people who, like me, 
can get a little nostalgic for Mm. those days. And not necessarily, I mean, I don't know if, I don't think anyone wants to go back to middle school, but like when I read um, young adult fiction sometimes and they are talking about a first kiss and the the way that the author writes the moment and I get butterflies and my heart skips a beat, like moments like those, I just, I live for. So anyone who who feels that way, I think would really enjoy this. And anyone who likes to laugh at embarrassing moments, whether it be zits, whether it be bad kisses, or maybe even yelling the word penis. (laughs) Does that happen in the book? Maybe. (laughs) Oh, like almost spoilers of what's to come. I can't wait to, I cannot, I love young adult fiction. I love it. It's like the more angsty, the better too. I don't know what it it fills the hole in my teenage self. Um, Yes, exactly. I totally agree. Like it, and because I feel like there is a little piece of 13 year old me alive and well in my heart and it, I, I need to feed her, you know, like she is, you know, my teenage self is such a big part of this book and like a lot of it, like, I just wish I could go give her a hug and, you know, and, Tell her that, you know, you're going to laugh at these things someday. Um, But yeah. You know, along those lines, I'm really curious. I think that one of the things that's so appealing about young adult fiction is it feels almost like in a really veiled way, but also not veiled way. It's almost like the authors are trying to go back and give their younger selves advice or a playbook. And so I'm wondering what themes come up in this book that you're grappling with, that you're trying to maybe heal for your younger self. Yeah, I mean, I think probably the the biggest one is just that the self-esteem issues. You know, I was that 13-year-old, like, why won't my boobs grow? Everyone else has boobs. Why don't I have boobs? Like, you know, and just realizing that, you know, there's so much more beyond that and they might grow someday and they might not. It's okay either way. But I I think that that, that is definitely a big piece of it. And I think another theme that really ended up coming out as I was writing this book was standing up for yourself, which is not something I've ever been good at. I am a people pleaser. I just, I want to maintain the peace. I want to keep everybody happy. And sometimes, you know, you can't, and you have to step up and say something and stand up for yourself and what you're comfortable with and what you believe in. So it was actually something that surprised me a little bit that ended up coming out as I was writing. Wow. What do you think it's taught you writing this about standing up for yourself? I think just that how important it is, Mm -hmm. like that disturbing the peace is worth it as long as you're doing that to, you know, stand by your values or your beliefs. And if that's going to end a relationship or a friendship or, you know, anything like that, then it's probably not worth that time anyway. Mm. I love that. I love that so much. 
What do you feel like the process of writing a book has taught you about yourself that you didn't know? Oh, that's a good question. I think one thing is that I'm way more impatient than I ever, than I ever realized. I've always thought like I had, you know, I was a middle school teacher. Like I thought I had good patience, Mm. but I guess when it comes to myself, not so much, you know, just this, I had this idea kind of like we were talking about before of like what this process was going to look like, what was going to come from it. And I, let's go, let's make this happen. And it doesn't always go that way. And, you know, sometimes I have to like talk myself down and say, you know, take a breath and we'll get there, but just not today. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. Okay. So before we got on, I asked you if you are going to be the next Judy Bloom. Uh, Tell me how you responded. I mean, that's the dream, right? That's, yeah. that's what I, I, I would love. I would love nothing more than for my books to, you know, go out and speak to young girls the way that Judy Bloom's books spoke to me and made me feel heard and seen and loved. And that's really like when I started writing this book, that was, that was my intention too, is when I long-winded answer ahead, I apologize. But when I started teaching or even when I was still in college and someone would ask me, Oh, you know, Rebecca, like what, what grade are you going to teach? Like first grade, second grade. I was like, Oh no, you know, the, the little ones aren't for me. And then they, inevitably say, oh, so like high school? And I'd say, no, like seventh or eighth grade, probably. Mm-hmm. And be like, what? Why? Oh my gosh, they're horrible. And I write about this like in my author's note as well, but like, yeah, teenagers can be horrible. But what I I love about teenagers is just that they're so full of emotion and feelings and just trying to figure out how to navigate the world in this place that they are, that is kind of like a forgotten space. You know, Mm -hmm. people jumped immediately from second grade to high school. And there's this whole, you know, group of kids who are navigating, not being an adult, but also not being a kid and trying to figure out how to find their independence and, understand their feelings and communicate them effectively and, you know, all of that stuff. So yeah, that was a little bit of a rant. I apologize. No, I love it. I love it. So what's your vision? I mean, is this going to be a one and done? Are you imagining a series? What are we, what are you dreaming of? I'm dreaming of it becoming a series and of the reader being able to grow with Emma. The the books that really heavily inspired mine were written by Louise Renison. She's a British, she was a British author. And it was a series of a main character. Her name was Georgia, mm-hmm. um, written in diary style, very like again, very similar to my own. And I loved them Mm. and they were coming out as I was growing up and, you know, same thing, like, you know, growing up with Harry Potter, just like having these books to like, to grow with you and you'll be able to, again, like feel like someone understands where you're at and 
what you're going through and what being 14 or 15 or 16 is really like. Wow. (laughs) So in addition to those books, who were your favorite authors and what were your favorite like series books as yeah. So, I mean, of course, so the the Louise Renison books, the first one is called Angus Thongs and Full Frontal Snogging. So they're, they're lovely books. Some of the jokes don't stand the test of time, but overall, still very funny. But beyond that, I mean, you know, I don't want to be a total cliche, but huge Harry Potter fan, obviously. Mm. I I love the Harry Potter books, but more specifically, I would say, you know, we talked about Judy Bloom, of course, like, you know, as long, just as long as we're together by Judy Bloom was one of my favorite books. I read it over and over again. Mm. And then I also really love Sarah Dessen. Oh, wait, why do I know that name? Oh, she's wonderful. Some of the just listen. She's a North Carolina author. Yes. That's Okay. Yes. Yes. I know someone who's friends with her. So that, oh that's what I Okay. What? <laughs> wow. That's cool. Yeah. Um, but I love her writing. Um, and I have for a long time because it's, you know, it's still that, that young adult vein, her characters are a little bit older than I write, but I love the way like she makes you feel mm. and feel connected to the characters and feel what they're feeling. When I was talking about you know, like reading a scene about a first kiss earlier, I was thinking specifically of Just Listen by Sarah Dessen, which I just reread recently. And reading the first kiss moment, I was like, oh, like my heart had a little palpitation. And I was like, God, oh, just incredible, you know? Yeah, that's so good. For me, I think I might be a little bit older than you are. So like the Boxcar Kids series mm-hmm. and um, I mean, R.L. Stein Goosebumps, that series, I'm, I can credit my love of reading on my own to R.L. Stein because I'm a little bit, I think the word they're using these days is neurodivergent, right? And mm-hmm. so- yeah learning to, I love, I was read to a lot as a kid and I loved books. I love being read to, but reading on my own was really hard. And then, mm. then R.L. Stein came along and I knew I had to be able to read those books to myself. Like I wanted them for me, mm. not because I wanted to share them with someone else. Yeah. I wanted someone to scare the pieces out of me, like, and not share that experience. And so it taught me to read. I love it. I was never a big R.L. Stein. I, you know, I get spooked. But the books that like, I was like, I need to Babysitter's Club. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, devoured those when I was young. (laughs) So awesome. (laughs) And dude, it's actually, it's a Netflix series now. I didn't know. I have to watch it. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You aren't, you don't like to be spooked. You don't want to watch the new Sabrina because it's too dark. Exactly. (laughs) It's really good. It's really, really good. But I don't, I heard it was spooky. (laughs) It's it's not that spooky. Okay. um, We'll see how I'm feeling. Okay. (laughs) I'll do a watch party with you if you really want someone to like. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Let's, yeah, we can set that up. (laughs) 
Well, what else do folks need to know about you and your work and your books and what's next for you? And I know I touched on this a little bit, but I think one of the things I always just, I want to share, and I don't know, maybe it's because I like to talk about myself. I don't know. Um, But I, you know, always want to give a shout out to my 13 year old self who wanted to be an author. And, you know, when I was 13, I remember it was the summer after seventh grade. I had this yellow notebook and I was like, I'm going to write the story of my seventh grade year. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to write the novel. And I mean, I wrote like five pages, but like now this, this book that I'm publishing is the same idea. Emma's a little bit older, but same premise. And I just, you know, like I said before, like, I wish I could go give, you know, 13 year old Rebecca a hug and like, look at what we did, you know? So I, I just always like to share that because I love, I'm very nostalgic if it hasn't been quite clear already. I'm yeah. also very nostalgic. I get it. I, I feel like it's like, you know, like this generation, we're all very, I mean, the number of like 2000s, like Instagram accounts, like is just I, I think we're all a little bit that way. <laughs> yeah, I was, um, and I'm, I was 90s girl, right? So yesterday I was like on BuzzFeed, like things you'll only understand if you're born in the 90s and you're like, oh yeah, I remember that, yeah. that, and oh yeah, I'm so glad that's not around anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that show? They used to have it on VH1, I think. And it was like, I love the 90s. I've I heard, I never watched it, but yes, I I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> they should be, like, that would be a huge success now. Like I love the two thousands. Yeah, <laughs> yes, it would. Um, I what advice if you could like, since you're so grateful for that self, that thirteen mm-hmm. year old self, what would you tell her if she was sitting right in front of you, that seven to thirteen year old you? What does she need to know? She needs to know first of all that her boobs are going to grow. <laughs> Honestly, that's that would be her first question. Secondly, I would say that your life does not need to be ordinary, Mm. that you can be an author, you can publish a book, you can, I mean, speak it into existence, you can be the next Judy Bloom. And just, you know, don't, don't, don't let that spark die. And, you know, just keep going. You can do it. Well, I needed that today, too. (laughs) And the last question. Oh, where can folks find you? Oh, um, people can find me on Instagram is the, the place I am most active. Um, and you're amazing at, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. My handle is just Rebecca Garner underscore author. Tried to keep it simple, but that's where I am most active. And um, you can learn the most about me. We will link to that in the show notes and this is going to be published. This episode is going to be published during what is your pre-sale campaign. So we'll also link to your pre-sale campaigns because I know that I want a copy of this book. So um, I'm sure other people will want a copy of it too. If you want to go indulge your seven or 13 year old self, I highly recommend going to support Rebecca in her pre-sale campaign. And um, the last questions I have for you is how do you live a life of abundance? 
Okay. So I've been thinking about this question a lot because I've listened to your podcast before and I, you know, I've heard you ask the question. I'm like, okay. So I've been thinking about it a lot. And I think my answer is twofold. Um, I think the first thing is similar to what I was just talking about with the advice to myself is being open to new opportunities and not being afraid to take the leap, even when it's a little bit scary because the reward can be so worth it. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is just super simple, but so important to me. And that's just love Mm -hmm. giving it, receiving it, writing it down. Um, I, that is just the most important thing to the world in the world. Rebecca, thank you for sharing that. And thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you for having me, Alicia. I'm so happy I was able to do it. Likewise. A huge thank you to you for tuning in today. Let's do it again next week. In the meantime, I've got a quick favor to ask. If you enjoyed today's show and know another woman who needs to hear this episode too, can you share it with her right now? Just text her the link and be sure to let her know why this episode is a must listen. Remember, sharing is caring, so spread the love. Thank you so much for being a part of this Yoke and Abundance community. I do it all for you. I hope these episodes make you feel seen, heard, and loved. Now, a huge thank you to our sponsor, Fiken Co. Thank you to Ira Sterling of Julia Sound Recording for our theme music. And thank you to my editor, Tumani Johnson of FX Media for his work on today's episode. Keep creating, making, and sharing it with the world because that is true abundance. <laughs>